is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets Podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. So it's an absolute joy today because I have got Vicky Williams with me on the podcast. Now, I first met Vicky, it must be maybe six, seven years ago when I did a stint with Barclay Card. And I found myself in a really lucky position to have Vicky as my boss for a very short period of time. But she certainly had a personal impact on me and I was really grateful to work for her. And Vicky's had fantastic roles in companies like Barclays and Aviva. And she's currently heading up change and continuous improvement as a director in Nationwide. We haven't seen each other for all of those years now, so I'm looking forward to hearing more. Vicky has just turned 50. She doesn't look a day over 40, so I'm interested to find out the secret behind that. But Vicky, a massive welcome to the show. Thank you very much for agreeing to do this. Tell me, how are you at the moment? I'm feeling great, actually. Yeah. Survived the second lockdown and enjoying getting ready for Christmas. Absolutely, because we're recording this just before Christmas and it's going to go out in January. But Vicky has got this beautiful Christmas tree behind her and we're all feeling very festive. And so with that in mind, Vicky, what I'd love to do is kind of start off this podcast with getting you into the spirit of celebrating your successes and celebrating everything that's wonderful about you. And I'd love it if you could share with us your, what I call the pom-pom moments, your three proudest moments, please. Brilliant. Thank you. So my three proudest moments, I've given this a bit of thought and yeah, all of them are quite diverse. So the first one is going to university. So I'm very proud about that. I'm proud in hindsight that I did it because I was the first person in my extended family to go to university. I really had no idea what to expect. My mum and dad had no idea what to expect. And they just took me up to Sheffield and dropped me there. And actually, I had a wonderful three years doing my English literature degree. And I think that that opportunity to leave my hometown to really extend my experience, you know, has basically stood me in good stead for my career as I've moved forward. So that's the first one. My second proudest moment or moments is seeing some of the people that I have mentored go on to be successful in their careers and in their lives. I really believe in investing in other people and giving them time and giving them support and guidance if needed. Um, and like I say, you know, seeing some of the people that I have worked with over the years really, really be successful in their own careers yeah, makes me very proud of them and everything that they've achieved. 
and my small part in that. And then my third and final proudest moment or moments is seeing my two children flourish. My daughter was 18 a couple of weeks ago. My son is 15. And watching them grow and come to know their own minds and their own wants and their own desires. And, you know, as they look up their futures, yeah, makes me very, very proud to see the wonderful young people that they've become. No, that's really lovely to hear. And you're right, there is a lot of diversity in what you've said there, kind of your own personal challenge and then how you support and help others to grow, both in a work context and one at home. And a question that often comes up with kind of mums who are also in a successful career in terms of how do you balance all of the different things that are put upon you in terms of pressures and priorities? when you are a mum of young children or teenage children as they are now, and you have a heavy and demanding job, what are some of the things that you can share with us that help you to do that effectively? Yeah, great question. So I think, first of all, having a supportive other half is really, really key. (laughs) And at home, we share the collective workload of the house, if you like. I'm really lucky enough to have had family close by. So that has been an enormous support, particularly when they were small. But it's about, you know, juggling things and also feeling relaxed and comfortable around not always being able to do everything. I remember when we were at Barclay Card and Barclays, you know, many, many nights at the allotted time for me to run out of the door so that I could collect one of my children from nursery. I literally opened my drawer scooped everything in it again <laughs> and legged it you know so I had to get relaxed about not always being able to finish everything being able to come back to work later if needed but yeah just being personally very flexible and comfortable with saying actually I'll come back to that nothing's going to happen if I don't do it immediately and you know obviously getting home to see my children before they went to bed really really important Yeah, so almost like that letting go of any idea of perfectionism as well in terms of just accepting that good enough is okay. Definitely. Oh, that's such a big thing. I wish I could learn to do that because I'm not very good at doing that. I like everything to be just so, but you can't do that with all of the balls in the air all of the time. So that's really great advice. And I know from working with you for a short period of time that that second pom-pom moment about developing others is really at the heart of who you are. So what drives you to do that with other people? I personally am lucky enough in my career to have had some incredible mentors Mm. and coaches and people who I've got on really well with and who just looked out for me on occasion. And I know how important that is as you develop your career, you you develop your personal leadership style as you you know, encounter issues and problems. So yeah, I wanted to make sure and, I, and still do make sure that I am available to other people to give them that support as well, because I don't think I would be where I am today without some of those people who've been involved in my career and in helping me move forward you know, as I've gone through lots of different companies. And some of the people that have mentored me, I'm still in touch with now, and they are you know, lifelong professional friendships And yeah, yeah, I wanted to give that back to others. And what are some of the things that you've learned from those mentors that you have along the way? Crikey, so much, so much, Angela. In terms of, you know, some of the first mentors in my career, I I worked for a company which was primarily 
you know, all the leadership was female. And that just showed me actually, you know, what could be achieved in terms of, you know, developing myself and putting myself forward, being confident, you know, even down to put your lippy on before your next meeting, Vicky, and, <laughs> you know, exude confidence. So learned so much, whether that be, you know, either how to behave in a professional way, how to, you know, certain skill sets, but also how to pick myself up, dust myself down and move on to the next opportunity when that was required. But yeah, I'm, like I say, multiple mentors that I'm still in contact with from my time at Hayes DX or my time at Barclays and more recently in Nationwide, people that I've worked with there who whose guidance I've really appreciated. And you've had a career that has involved lots and lots of people management, and it's definitely something that you excel at. But obviously, you went to uni, which was unusual for you and your family at that time, and chose to do English Lit. So when you were sort of in those teenage years, what was your aspiration in terms of your career? Again, very fascinating question, because, you know, I didn't know the art of what was possible in terms of myself and my career. My dad advised me to do a typing course so I could be a secretary. You know, when I was growing up, at one point I wanted to be a nurse. Another point, I you know, I actually wanted to be an archaeologist. Oh, and you know, I think that was down to my just general curiosity and desire to learn about new cultures and things like that. But I never really set out to say, okay, I want to be a leader in business and a leader in financial services. That was not part of my plan. However. As a human being, I'm really very team orientated. I get my energy from other people. I like to challenge myself. I like to discover and do new things. And that led me post university to go and get a job in a contact center. You know, I think that probably the day two of being there, I realized that I had found my niche and I had found an area that I was really interested in, not necessarily making calls all day long, but certainly being involved in those team environments and, and being a leader eventually in one of those teams. So that was my aspiration to step into a leadership role from that point. And so how has your career developed then from being in that contact centre and going into the leadership position? What happened after that? So yeah, within the contact centre, my energy and I hope my enthusiasm and hard work paid off and I was asked to be a coach in the contact center. Then I moved on to be a team leader and a team manager in the contact center and a project manager. And I've worked my way through from there, really. So from quite an early stage in that career, being in small leadership positions, but rapidly developed over time to me working in different organizations, being offered other roles to run customer service departments, to run sales teams to look at customer experience in HazDX and then moving on into Barclay Card and Barclays running fraud, um, PPI, shared services. And I guess what's really driven me the whole time is making sure that I'm challenging myself and opening myself up to new experiences. So I've never, ever thought, well, I can't work in that sector because I don't know anything about it, or I can't go and work in that particular area of the business because I don't know anything about it. It's the learning and the opportunity to get involved in something new that really drives me and has led to my leadership roles. And now running change and continuous improvement teams for Nationwide, it's the perfect spot for me because it's new every day. There's lots of teams involved. It goes from the smallest change to the largest strategic change. 
and I can see the value that it's adding to the business. And I guess that's the driver for me, making sure that the go forward position and the opportunity and the value that is being delivered is really, really clear. And I like what you've just said about this courage to take on something new, because so often people get stuck in one style of a career, thinking that that's all they know and that's all they can do. But what you've done is transfer your skills into different areas and just challenge yourself to take it on, which takes an enormous amount of courage. Yeah, I think it does. But I would advise everyone to step into opportunities like that whenever they come up, as long as they feel relatively comfortable, not you know, whatever you do in your career, you can't always know everything. You can't mm. always have all of the information, all of the detail to hand. So taking the opportunity to stretch yourself is, I think, really, really important. And it does take courage, but you know, for me, it's always worked out. And for other people that I know, it's always worked out as well. You've made a change in career and you've done tremendously well. So yeah, I bet at the outset, you never thought that was possible. No, you're absolutely right. It's that having that bravery, isn't it, to step into it and then work hard and it all falls into place. And obviously now, I mean, talk about the best role to have during COVID. I'm not sure whether the best is the right word. (laughs) But, you know, change and continuous improvement director when every single business on the planet, it seems, has been turned on its head. Talk about challenge. How have you coped, you and your teams, during the COVID months? basically transforming the business to operate in a different way. Yeah, it certainly has been challenging, but in a really, really great way. And that's not to say that people aren't tired and people aren't looking forward to having a break because they really, really are. But they're also feeling really energized about the difference that we've been able to make to the business. So everything has changed. You know, the majority of the contact centers are now working from home. People's roles have changed within the business and my team have move them around, got them set up, got them trained and ready to take on new challenges. We've introduced video for our financial planning managers and for our mortgage consultants. We have changed numerous processes. We've got a new virtual queuing system within our branches so that we can reduce the queues outside branches, particularly in this horrible weather. cold weather. (laughs) Yeah. And we've changed our hours. So everything has changed. The way that our team has coped is that we've come together frequently and often. We've given ourselves space and time. So we have time blocked out in the middle of the day so that everyone can get outside in these darker months and have a walk in the sunshine or the rain or whatever the weather is doing on a particular day. We've taken well-being really, really seriously. We talk about it a lot. We've talked about it being okay, not to be okay. Mm. I myself, I think it was June time. I've been at home since the 10th of March, shared with the team that Actually, I just needed to take a few days out. You know, I had Zoom or Teams fatigue. And by letting them know that I needed to do that and I was tired, it gave everyone else permission to take some time and do what was right for them. As we face, you know, working virtually, it has its absolute benefits and it's wonderful not to have to commute. But also, you know, it sometimes makes things a little bit more difficult. So when you're trying to change an organisation from your living room or your bedroom or your study... (laughs) Quite a lot of effort. So just giving people permission to take time for themselves has been really, really important. And there you are again. One of the things I love about you is that you make the difficult seem really accessible because you've just said, you know, I sat with my team on Zoom or whatever it was and said to them that I needed to take a few days out. I can't tell you how hard 
leaders find showing that level of vulnerability and yet the way that you position it as if it's just you know something that's easy to do is so inspirational and so joyous really to hear a leader in an organization saying that that's okay because what it does as you say rightly is it gives everybody else permission to say I feel like that as well but you're leading the way so when I talk about vulnerability, I'm always interested to hear what that means to various people. And we often get different answers for this. So what does it mean for you? For me, I link it to and connect it to just being real. I am a human being first and mm. foremost, and you know, a leader. And I experience the same highs and lows as everyone else. I have to answer the door to the 27 parcel deliveries while in meetings <laughs> as everyone else does. I have to spend time with my children. I want to spend time with my children mm-hmm. and, and with my other half. I had to sort out my mum and dad's online shopping during oh, the first gosh, lockdown. Yeah. yeah and, and, and all of that normal stuff. I am a normal person. I have a normal life and I have to cope with ups and downs as well. So for me, you know, vulnerability is around just demonstrating that there's no shiny Vicky. I'm just normal. And I think demonstrating that as a leader does help people. One, you feel accessible, but two, people to understand that, you know, they're more likely to give more to you, I think, but also to understand that they can be flexible as well. And that, yeah, that what they experience is exactly the same as what I experience. And it's a really strong mindset. So one of the things I'm interested to hear about is how you take care of yourself and your own well-being such that you can, you know, you can go with all these ebbs and flows. Right. So a really practical one, and this is driven by my children's school. My children are in a state academy, not too far away from where I live. And they have a funny term. They have eight weeks on and two weeks off. So every eight weeks, I have a week's holiday. Eight or nine weeks, I have a week's holiday. And that is really, really important for me because that is the time. I run quite hard and fast just because I'm an energetic human. But to have that week off, and I really switch off. I do not have my phone with me. People have my personal phone number if there's an emergency and they want to contact me. No one ever has, interestingly. But because... I trust them. They can do their job. They know that I need that time to have that week off. So that's the first thing. I've got a real rhythm around yeah, having a week off every eight or nine weeks. In terms of my body, I do yoga. I go to the gym. I run. I try and get outdoors every single day. That is really, really important. In terms of my mind, it's really important for me to feel connected to nature. So I know you said you couldn't believe I'm 50, but I'm going to sound 50 now. I have an allotment. I grow vegetables. I just love being there. It's very peaceful. It's very quiet. It's the absolute opposite of you know, my working life, digging in the mud. So I think that's really important to connect to nature. And also I like to be creative. So I really love music. In the olden days before COVID, I used to go to and see a lot of bands and go to festivals. I also used to be in a band. Really? Yes, I play the piano very badly. And I love cooking. I find that a creative kind of escape as well. So that's how I take care of myself. I make sure I balance the hard work and the the mental kind of part of being busy, 
in an organisation and being a leader with a lot of the things that, that are completely different to what I do in my daily working life. Mm. And refreshing to hear you say there that when you take this time off that you actually do switch off because that in itself doesn't happen for many leaders and it demonstrates that you have clearly built a team around you that can actually keep the business running when you're not there. So that's really refreshing to hear. And then the allotment thing, I just love this. So the allotment, is this something that's come as a result of lockdown or were you doing this before? I've been doing this before for a long time, many years. I've always, always had a love of gardening. Yeah, when I grew up, where I grew up, we didn't have a garden. A garden for me was an aspirational thing. And to have an allotment up the road from my house is just fabulous. So I grow loads of veg and flowers and just get a lot of enjoyment from it. Oh, that is amazing. And, And in terms of time to do that, how do you balance the working day? We talked about kids earlier. But then fitting in this priority time for you, because that's something that will really help people if you could kind of break that down for us a little bit. Yeah, so I'm a big believer in little and often. So I don't go to my allotment. I don't, I I take it in bite-sized chunks. My allotment is actually divided into chunks, as is my life almost really. And I'll go and do a bit at a time in the summer when it was light, I was waking up really, really early and I was often at the allotment at half past eight, uh, half past six in the morning, sorry, picking vegetables. And yeah, even just for 20 minutes, that was a brilliant start to my day before I got down to starting work. So yeah, compartmentalize things, break it up into bite-sized chunks and don't, you know, don't try and do everything all at once. Otherwise that gets overwhelming and, you know, invariably, you know, you'll think I, I, I can't spend hours and hours at that. And so you don't do it at all. Bite-sized chunks. Yeah, that's brilliant advice. So little and often. And I guess, you know, one of the things that I'm always interested to know is how do you handle stress? Because you take the week off, but there's also, I'm guessing, times when work in those eight-week chunks is quite stressful. So how do you cope with stress in the working day? Yeah, I think it's fair to say during COVID, I probably worked I'm not commuting, which is fantastic, but I'm working longer hours than I normally would just because there is so much going on. So again, taking half an hour at lunchtime to go for a quick walk up the road, just, you know, in the sunshine, as I did today, that is a really, really important thing for me. And while it's always tempting to give someone a ring and someone I need to get hold of, I'm making sure that I do that every single day. And that is a wonderful break in the day. And definitely relieves stress. Also to get things into perspective, it's really easy to blow some things out of proportion in your working day at times. But I like to think that I'm largely cool, calm and collected and, you know, look at what opportunities are presenting themselves. And, and, you know, again, even though my children are older now, thinking, well, actually, do I really need to do this today? Will it keep to tomorrow? If I ring that person and talk to them about the deadline, you know, can we move it? And often, you know, you can, you don't have to do everything all at once. And also lean on my team. My team are wonderful. I am really, really lucky to have a great group of change professionals working with me. And, you know, they pick things up and they deliver it. And they, you know, I give them great autonomy and accountable freedom to get on with things. And they haven't disappointed me yet when I've said, actually, would you pick this up? Would you mind doing this? And they come through every time. 
And I guess that for me is the secret, listening to you, and, and it's very unusual compared to other people that I talk to, is you are able to let go of the reins and not feel like you have to have control of everything. And as you say, you give autonomy to your team, but also what I'm getting from you is this sense of having really strong boundaries around your personal time, your personal well-being. And a really balanced approach. It's so unusual to hear. And I just, ah, it's just giving me goosebumps, to be honest, because it's really going to help people understand that it's okay and that you can get to the top of an organization and have a senior role and not have to be fully in control to the nth degree of everything that's happening around you. Where have you learned that from? I was going to say, it is learned. You know, yeah, I think earlier in my career, I absolutely did not have that skill and I could not let go. And it would worry me that I didn't know everything. You know, I think taking the step up, and I think it was actually at Barclay Card, actually, the step up from accounting operations moving into running the global fraud area. I didn't know anything about fraud. I knew a lot about leadership and I knew a lot about running teams and I knew a lot about operations and the key success success criteria in order to you know to, to make things work but I didn't know anything at all about fraud and that was when I learned that I you know I had to let go to a degree and I had to rely on the experts and I had to get comfortable with not knowing the answer to every single question that I was asked <laughs> and to you know to work in partnership with the people around me so it was there in Barclay Card in the basement <laughs> where, where I used to work. <laughs> no windows. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in the darkness, I can reflect. And I tell you what, it is such a powerful message, particularly for female leaders, to know that it's okay to have those boundaries. So I'm so pleased that you've shared that today because it's really powerful. And I guess you're coming towards the end, but I've got a couple more questions mm-hmm. that I'd love to just check in with you. And I guess one of those is about adversity and whether you've experienced adversity in the years that you've been alive and how, if you have, has that shaped you? I have experienced adversity. I mean, I've experienced it in life. You know, I've been made redundant three times and, you know, I've been in organisations and had to swap roles every 12 months, which is really exhausting at times. And I've had some real moments in my career that have been difficult. You know, it hasn't always been an easy, smooth path. And I've had to learn to be really resilient as a human being. I think overcoming adversity, you have to put things into perspective. You have to understand that people are coming from different directions, have different drivers at times. You know, Profitability is key, obviously. Businesses change continually. Businesses restructure. There's always a reason. It's rarely personal. And that's what I remind myself when I'm faced with adversity to try and work out the organization's psychology of something or the personal psychology of something to say, actually, let me get this into perspective. This person isn't challenging me because yeah, they're not a very nice human being yeah it's because we have different views and let's work that out together or yeah I'm being made redundant for very good reasons organizationally because the structure has changed or you know when faced with a life-changing situation at home again trying to be objective about that and work it through 
doesn't mean being unemotional because that's okay mm-hmm. as well, but it's just about stepping back at times and looking in and saying, okay, what really is going on here? So that's how, yeah, I overcome my adversity. It's about yeah, resilience and I think continuing to drive forward as a person. And I like that depersonalization of things. It's particularly relevant now in this COVID era where redundancy is yes. hitting lots of different sectors. And there is the propensity to personalize that and feel the rejection of that. But as you say, if you can look at it at a more global level and understand the drivers behind it, it's still going to hurt and there's still going to be the, the emotional reaction to it. But that allows you to kind of pick yourself up and start to move forward more quickly than if you, you know, spend too long in the, it must be me, it must be my fault. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's really, really important for everyone to remember, you know, that the reason you landed in a, an organization in the first place is that you had something great to offer. And because circumstances have changed, you know, that might mean that that organization has different requirements now, doesn't mean that another organization won't have a strong need for what you can offer and what you can give them. It's changing times. And I still believe there's lots of opportunity out there. I really do. Yeah, I do too. There's lots of hope at the moment as well with the vaccine coming in and we can hopefully see light at the end of the tunnel now. And it's just been so lovely to talk to you because you're refreshingly honest, but also there is this inspiration that pours out of you that I don't even think that you can see, which makes it all the more wonderful. So I can't wait to hear what the answer is to the killer question. You've probably answered it several times already in what you've already said, but let's do it in one hit. In your view, Vicky, what is the absolute secret to success? Oh, that's a good one. I don't think there's a single one. I think it's different for different people. But for me and what I look for in other people, it's about having a growth mindset and not being closed and being open to possibilities. So, yeah, for me, growth mindset coupled with some energy and enthusiasm. Oh, yeah, you've got that in spades, energy and enthusiasm. (laughs) And, And the growth mindset one is, you know, you've demonstrated that throughout the conversation. And as you say, you know, that is something that we can learn to do and we'll flip into fixed mindset and, you know, back into growth, but actually getting a grip of yourself and making sure that for the most part, you're choosing that growth mindset side of the spectrum really serves you, doesn't it? To be able to drive forward in a different way. So yeah, growth mindset, energy and enthusiasm. That's probably what we would sum you up as in three words I love it (laughs) thank you it's been really lovely to catch up with you we haven't been able to see each other through this conversation because we've had problems with connectivity so I can't see your smiling face but I know that there is one there thank you so much for giving your time today and for being so honest and open no problem thank you very much for asking me to join in and I wish you a very lovely Christmas, even though this is going out after Christmas and an exciting 2021. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. 
For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.